we set the atmosphere. We're going to talk about environment and how we have a lot to do with the environment around us, that God has given us that power. We're choosing uh, a new sermon series. This message series is Choose Life. Someone shout, Choose Life. It's a little weak. Shout it out. Choose Life. Why don't you shout it out like you're really choosing life, you're embracing life. Someone shout out, Choose Life. It is our choice, and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about that. Before we do, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Sermon notes, message notes are available at the Connection Center there. I want to welcome all of our guests this morning. Can we welcome all of our guests? We're so glad you're here at New Spring. Uh, be sure to stop by our Connection Center and pick up a, uh, a gift for you. We have a gift. We want to just thank you for being here today. You can also fill out a Connect card. You can do that either electronically online there or someone at the Connection Center will help you. Uh, Bonnie and I celebrate 28 years, 28 years being married. How about that? Bonnie was saying the other day, she's, I finished her thought, or I said, I know what you're thinking, so I told her what she's thinking. She said, how in the world did you know that? I said, Bonnie, I've been kissing on you for 28 years. I just know things. How can you not know someone you've been kissing on for 28 years? 28 years, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a great, great Life. We've never had a fight. Never, never, never had a disagreement. Um, she's always right, and so that's just the way it is. <laughs> a man had a habit of grumbling at the food his wife placed before him at the family meals, and he was grumbling about it. And then he would follow up after the grumbling and griping. He would complaining about the meals that she was preparing, he would follow up with a, a blessing, a thank you. Thank you, Lord. We'd say grace, had a prayer of thanks and blessing over the meal. And then one day, as he was in his usual routine of griping and complaining about the meal, followed up with a prayer, his daughter said, Dad, do you think God hears our prayers? And he said, absolutely, God hears our prayers. God hears all of our words. She thought for a moment. She says, well, Dad, do you think he hears all of our words, even after the prayer? And he said, yes. He was so proud of himself that he sparked some type of spiritual uh, questioning and deepness within her and thought, man, I'm a pretty good dad. And then she just followed up and said, well, Dad, which one do you think God believes? The prayer or the words that follow afterwards of the griping and complaining? Someone shout, ouch. How many times have we found ourselves kind of saying, one thing and something opposite. And I think God, as we look at choosing the power to choose, that God has given us the ability to choose what kind of life we want to experience. And look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, now what I am commanding you today is not too, I love this, it's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask. You, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Verse, uh, verse 14, no, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See? I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God 
to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws so that you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods or worship them, I declare to you to this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Look what he says. Now choose life. Can you say that? Let's say that together. Now choose life. Let's say it one more time. Let's do it in unity here. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. There is this understanding that that we have the ability, God has delegated power to us, the power to choose. And we have the ability to choose what kind of life we can experience. So we have options. We have options with choices and decisions. And God is saying to us, I'm, you can almost hear God just pleading with us, pleading with his people, please choose life. This is not just something, the blessing, the life is not just going to randomly happen. It's going to be something that you have to intentionally choose. I have four aspects of our life that I want to bring to our attention today that we have that power, that ability to choose. God has given us the option to choose life and to choose blessing. And choosing life, you can write this down, choosing life starts on the inside of you. It's not going to be something that just randomly happens. Choosing life, choosing blessing will happen on the inside of you. We're just saying he's a way maker, a miracle worker. And God has already aligned the miracle, the breakthrough, the way for us. But we have to work with God. God wants us to work with him. He can prepare the way, prepare the miracle, prepare the blessing, prepare the breakthrough. Prepare the things that you are supposed to do in your career. He can do all of that, and he has. The door is there. It's open for us. But we have to align ourselves to his will and walk through those. And it's done by, I'm going to suggest to you these four aspects. And if you pay attention to them, if we pay attention to these four aspects of life and say, Holy Spirit, help me, because I believe there's room for all of us to grow in these different areas. And if we do, we are choosing choosing life. What you choose to believe, what you choose, how you choose your self-talk, what you choose to think, how you choose to see, it will determine life or death, blessing or cursing in your life. Here's a Chinese proverb, and the author is unknown, but, but it's so true, and you can actually see these lining up with biblical principles. Here's what it says, be careful of your thoughts. For your thoughts become your words. Your words don't just happen. You're thinking these things in you. Before they're words, before you articulate, you're already thinking about these types of words or, uh, or the ideas or the feelings. And you're breathing life to them in, within your thoughts before they ever become your words. Be careful of your words. For your words become your actions. Be careful of your actions. For your actions become your habits. 
Be careful of your habits, for your habits become your character. Be careful of your character, for your character becomes your destiny. And we understand this, that a plant will, will either have life or will survive based on the environment. What is the environment? It's the soil. A plant will survive based on the soil, based on watering, based on the food, based on nutrients, based on the weather, the climate that it is in. And I'm going to tell you that our life will either experience life or blessing, cursing or destruction based on the environment that we choose. We have that power to choose, God said. God says it ain't just stop waiting for heaven to do it. Heaven's already done what it's going to do. Stop thinking it's so far over across the sea. It's not there. No one's going to swim out there and get it for you. You have, it's near you. It's in near your mouth and near in your heart. And God is saying to us that we have the ability. And what time do we need to be examples in the time that we're living in, guys? We need to be examples in the world where they need hope. They need to see something beyond this depressing state, the state of our nation, whatever the case might be, economics, all of these different things. We need to be examples before the world that we're not being dictated by what's happening out there, that we can create the life and the joy and the hope and the peace by what we do internally, not based on what's happening to us. So, for example, I, I, I remember some seasons. It's usually the seasons that I'm going through that are hard, and we go through some hard seasons. How many of you have been through some hard seasons in your life? Come on, all of us can relate to this. Every one of us have had, we've been pushed down, we've been oppressed, we've been We've had things stolen from us. We've been betrayed. We've lost jobs. We've lost money. We've had expenses beyond what we could even uh, pay. And we've had uh, hospital bills. And we've got sickness and, and all different kind of aches and pains. All these different things that can weigh on us. Things that didn't go the way we thought they would go can weigh on us. Things that we've prayed for and the prayer seems to either be delayed or God is ignoring us. All of those can be our perspective. And if we're not careful... We will allow those seasons and those moments to weigh at our faith, to weigh at our perspective. And then what happens is, here's what I've noticed about myself, that I went through a season where, where like two years I was praying for something that never happened, and it was weighing on me, and it didn't get any better. And all of a sudden, I realized that my, th my internal thoughts were changing. And then I noticed over a period of, of months, my, my words were not words of faith. It was not words of the kingdom of God. It was words of what, what I was feeling. It was what I was seeing in the natural eye. And I was complaining. And I became complaining and, and griping and grumbling. And before I knew it, my joy, I wonder where joy was at. I wonder where my heart was at. I wonder where my passion was at. I was turning into someone that I knew I didn't want to turn into. And it took the Holy Spirit to say, to look into the mirror and say, Shannon, this is not what Christ saved you for. This is not what Christ has for you, to become a man who is cynical and griping and grumbling and complaining and do not, does not have life or hope. I'm putting you around people who need to hear hope, life, and the kingdom of heaven, and I can't get it through you if it's not in you, so you're going to have to change your internal compass so it can be a, man, be a man of faith and be a man of hope. If we're not careful, you will allow the seasons that you're in to mold and shape you to become the person that God does not want you to become. And then we begin to make decisions based on how we're seeing life, not through a kingdom lens, not through a, a godly lens, but a lens of, 
of external and worldly and secular. Are you with me this morning? And so we have to look at, and so I had to realize that I had to do something different. So what did I do? I started to change what was on the inside of me. How did I do that? Years ago, I started reading a scripture, and that scripture would, would speak to me. It was a promise. There are, there are over, I forget how many, over 8,000 promises in God's word. We did this a couple of years ago, standing on God's promises. 8,000 promises in God's word. And when I read the scripture, here's what I did. I realized that that scripture God was saying to me for that season, it was something that God didn't want me to read just one time, but to get it on the inside of me so it could take shape in my life. So I printed it out on a piece of paper. I posted it. Posted it on my bedroom wall. Since I got out of bed in the morning before I walked into the, to the bathroom, I would see it posted above, my, above the door frame. And then I posted another scripture on my mirror as I was getting ready in the morning. There were times I would have it on my desktop, and as I opened my desktop, the scripture would come up. And what was I doing? I was internalizing God's truth and God's word, and it was shaping me from the inside. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. You will never be able to give people hope and life if hope and life is not in you. What's inside of you is going to come out of you, and so it is very important for us to make a choice of life and make a choice Make a choice of what we're going to be on the inside of us so that we can be to the people around us what we need to be and what God wants us to reflect. <clears throat> Choosing life every day in the midst of trouble, in the midst of problems, in the midst of your difficulties even right now, there's a choice that you have. Are you going to give in to those moments and choose the lesser, or you're going to rise above it. And I'm telling you, you know this to be true. You're going to have to strain to have faith sometimes. You're going to have to strain to rise above to a level of what you need to be. It's not just, okay, it's, I'm going to be whatever I want to be today. No, there's times you're going to have to not be what you want to be fleshly, right? That you're going to have to say, no, I'm going to be something a little bit better today. I'm going to be a kingdom man, a kingdom woman, and I'm going to reflect that today. Choosing life every day. And how do we do that? I'm going to give you four. Choose life with your beliefs. Someone shout beliefs. This is where it starts. And, and here's what we, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it gave us the whole first two commandments that Jesus talked about is to love God with all your heart, soul, body, and mind, and then love, love others as you love yourself, all right? So, and the whole law hinges on this, these two great commandments. And here we have it in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Listen to me very carefully this morning. There is no way to bypass what I'm about ready to tell you and have the life, have a full life and a life of blessing. When I say a life of blessing, I'm not saying you're going to escape problems. That's not what I'm talking about. You're going to have problems, but even in problems, you can still have a life of being blessed. In spite of difficulties and going through valleys, you can still have a life where you know it is life, it is joy, it is peace, it is, it is secure. You know you know God and you know what, that he has his best interest for you and you know what God is going to do in your life and things will eventually turn around in your life. You can have life in spite of problems, but here it is. Listen to me. If you think that you can bypass Jesus Christ and sell out to him and still have life, you're joking. There's no way to do it. Our belief has to believe. We got to believe that there is no life outside of Jesus Christ. There is no life outside of a relationship working in our hearts where Christ is speaking to us every day and that we're so madly in love with him 
because he's madly in love with us. There is no life, there is no joy, there is no peace, there is no blessing outside of Jesus Christ. That is why we spend so much time worshiping him, exalting him, talking about him, and telling others about him. Why? Because we believe to our core that there is no life without Jesus Christ. Can I hear a big amen on that? Jesus came to give us life. Look what he said in John 10 and 10. John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, or destroy, but I have come that they may have life. And he didn't stop there. He's going to go a little bit further and not only have life, but that you can have life abundantly, have life to the full. What God is going to save you, deliver you, set you free, forgive you of your sins, and leave you to have a miserable life. No, when Christ saves you, he not only saves you for eternity, but he also saves you to experience his goodness on this earth. And you've got to believe that to your core. If you don't believe that, you'll never move forward. You'll always be thinking that God is out to get you. He hates you. He doesn't like you. You're not good enough for God. But we believe that God has saved us by grace, not by our works, that he loves us just the way we are, but he loves us so much that he wants to improve our life and improve our mindset and improve our attitude and improve who we are as a person. That Christ has come to give us life, abundant life, life for the full, an overcoming life. God, Jesus doesn't want you stuck in your, your addictions, your pain, what has hurt you. He doesn't want you stuck in bitterness. Listen, Jesus does not want you stuck in your past. He wants you to have a full, overcoming life. And Jesus gave life. And catch this, that life never happens until you and I choose it. It doesn't just happen. We have to choose Jesus. Someone shout, choose Jesus. We have to choose that life. We have to choose the life that he's given us. Everyone who chooses life, guess what? They find it. This is scripture. This is what I believe. Why do I believe this? Because the Bible, the word of God, has given us these principles. This is why we live the way we do this is why we think the way we do. This is why we're motivated by the way that we're motivated because we believe, it's to our core, we believe that everyone who chooses life finds it. They find blessing. They find freedom. Is anyone here in this building today that's not cynical about life and believes that when we choose Jesus, we choose life and we find life when we choose Jesus? Anybody believe that? That there's still goodness in this life in spite of, in spite of darkness, in spite of problems. Do you believe that? Do you believe the word of God? Let me give you a quick belief here. Psalm 91, where people, so, they're in fear about everything. When fear gets a hold of you, go to the word of God because you're going to be challenged by what you believe. Do you believe fear? Do you believe worry, concern? Do you believe, are you dictated by that? Are you, or do you choose to believe something that's beyond fears or worries and concern? Look what David, David believed this. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high. Catch this. I want you to soak this in for a moment will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Come on, these are not my words. These are the words of an eternal God that he's giving them to you. <clears throat> I will say of the Lord, he is, look what David says. This is what he believes. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. 
He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge, if you say the Lord is my refuge, if you say the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. Can we say that one more? Say it with me. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. Can I just put a finger right here before we finish this last? I feel this in my heart right now. Some of us have been so beat up that we feel like that God is not listening to us and that God doesn't care to hear our prayers. But that is not what he said. That's not what his word says. And that's not what we're saying this morning. We choose to believe this morning that when we pray, God hears us. God hears you. I will be with him in trouble. Trouble is going to come. But he said he'll never forsake us. He will be with you. I will deliver him and honor him, and with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can we just, for Psalms 91, can we just give the Lord a big praise right now of his word speaking over us right now? In a time that our world needs to hear faith and not fear, someone that believes what they're reading. Number two, choose life with your attitude. Choose life with your attitude. You can agree to disagree. So I'm tired of hearing that. I'm going to tell you, listen to me very carefully, because you will choose. Your attitude will determine where you're going to go in life. Your, your attitude will determine if you get promotion or demoted. Your attitude will determine if you get fired or hired. Your attitude will determine what kind of life you're going to have. Your attitude will determine if you want your, your, your family to be around you or always run from you. Your attitude will determine what kind of relationships you're going to have. Your attitude will determine and position you. Your attitude is so important in life. And it takes someone who is willing to say, what is my attitude like? That there are times that we can disagree. Bonnie and I, I was kind of joking, we have not agreed on everything. There are things that we totally disagree on. But there comes a time, if we're going to stay married for 28 years and 28 more years, we're going to have to disagree, agree to disagree sometimes and still love each other. In a world where we have lost our compass, to, we've lost our head. We think that just because we disagree that we're enemies. No, we're not enemies. I can disagree with you and still love you and still like you. And so we know that in marriage and relationship that we're not going, I, I, I've never seen the such right now. And I think it's a lot of spiritual uh, backing behind this, that we think that if it doesn't line up with everything that I agree with, then I'm not going to, let's, let's void the contract, let's forget, let's find somewhere else that, 
we, where we can go where we agree. Guess what? You're never going to agree with everything wherever you go. It's part of life. But we can choose. The attitude we have will determine There's this, uh, either you're more agreeable or you're more disagreeable. What kind of person? I had to know that there are seasons in my life where I'm a disagreeable person. And I had to check my attitude. And I'm telling you right now, you either lean towards being an agreeable person or a disagreeable person. I'm going to tell you, you cannot live in a disagreeable state and still choose life. You're going to come to grips with, you're going to have to slide back to the place of saying that I have got to become, I've got to find where I can agree with the people and the things around me. What, what can I do? We will stay a divided nation if we cannot find ways to agree. Does that mean that I'm going to have to, um, that I have to uh, um, lose my beliefs. No, you can, you can still stand for your beliefs and still have the right attitude. Ravi Zacharias, some of you know Ravi Zacharias, great, a great man, a man of God, um, theologian who went to universities where they, he was opposed, they were opposed, uh, spoke to a lot of atheists, and he would, he would just, he would spend time talking to them about debates, disagreements that they had, about God and about life. And he did it in such a way that he attracted them. He didn't do it in a way where he just opposed them and said, no, you're stupid. You don't, you don't believe that? What's wrong with you? He did it in a way where he, he got them to think with their mind and their heart and led many atheists to Christ, led many students to the Lord because of the way he approached his, his um, debates. You can, you can choose. You can choose. You can stand for your beliefs and still choose life. There's a way for you to stand for your beliefs. And the church, of listen, the church is going to have to learn and use the wisdom. How do we stand for our beliefs and still choose life where we can attract people who don't know Christ and attract them to Jesus Christ? <clears throat> Franker, uh, Victor Frankel was a Viennese Jew uh, neurologist and a psychologist who was imprisoned by the Germans for more than three years. He made this statement as he was in prison, he realized that choosing the attitude was so important and that no one could take that away no matter what kind of circumstance they were in. He made this statement, we who lived in the concentration camps came, can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. And they may have been a few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can, take, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of his freedoms to choose his own attitude. In any given set of circumstance, to choose one's way. You can be in prison. You can have circumstances around you, but you can still choose what kind of attitude you're going to have in those unfortunate circumstances. And the choice of your attitude will determine if you're going to experience life or you're going to experience death. It was Orville Kelly was told that he had terminal cancer and he came home, him and his wife came home. They came home to die. And they began to say, what do we do from here? 
Orville Kelly, and this was back in the 70s when he came home, they decided, they prayed, and they decided, you know what we're going to do? Do we tell? The whole big question was, do we tell anyone? They said, you know what, we're going to tell. In fact, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw a party. They threw a party. No one knew what they were coming to the party for, but they threw a party, and while they, everyone was there celebrating, having a good time, he made the announcement, says, I have terminal cancer. He says, but we chose that we're going to not, we're not, from this point forward, we're not expecting death. We're going to expect to live. They, at that moment, they formed an organization, and that organization was called Make Today Count. And I forget how many thousands of people are subscribed to this, to this organization. And for people who are going through cancer or terminal illness, they subscribe to this. And the whole idea was to, is to keep them encouraged and focused, not expecting your death day, but expecting to live the best life that you can live while you remain on the earth. This is choosing to live with the right attitude. He said, I remember at one time, and he realized that his life was extended because of his focus, and he was, 25,000 letters came in, and he was reading each one of them, and none of them complained about cancer, not one of them. You know what their biggest heart, heartaches were? It was about their financial concerns. It was about the heartaches that they were going through about as far as the future and the unknowns. That was their biggest things that they needed to be encouraged over. Here's what I'm saying. You can choose which attitude you're going to have through your worst crisis of your life. And choosing the right attitude will be choosing life for you. Ross was at work. He just, Ross started a job a few months ago. This is his first job out in this, the workforce. So he'd come home and some of his buddies came over to the house. They all worked at the same place. And they were just complaining. I mean, I heard every one of them. I can't believe it. Work, man, they're doing all kinds of stuff, changing policy. We don't know who's in charge. And just day after day, day after day, complaining about what's going on at work. And no one knows what they're doing. He said, Dad, you don't understand. It's chaos. You don't, everyone's upset. I said, Ross, hold on. I said, I bet I know what's happening. I said, you, on your break time, you're getting around, you guys are complaining constantly. Next break, you're complaining about the policies constantly. Next break, you're Who's in charge? I can't believe this. This stinks. I can't believe they're asking us to work overtime. They should have told us. I said, this is happening on every lunch break and after hours, isn't it? He goes, yeah, it is. I said, it's happened all the time. That's part of life. I've been in the workforce. I know how it is. He said, but here, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. Listen to me. You will never be a leader and you'll never get promotions by being a complainer and being a person who is critical about everything around you. It will not make your life better. It will make it miserable. And you're choosing death and not choosing life. So well, what do you want me to do? You've got to do this. You're going to have to go in and forget about the complaints and the criticisms. And privately, you're going to, have to say, God, thank you for a job. Thank you that I can work. Thank you that I have life. Thank you I have air in my lungs. Thank you I have two legs. I have two arms. Thank you that I'm getting paid. God, thank you that I have this life that you've given me. Stay focused on that, and you may have to separate yourself from voices. Why? Because you're choosing life. Don't choose to be a critical person. A critical person will be a person of death, but a person who enjoys life and appreciates life and can find the good will be a person of life. Choose life with your attitude. You can sit around and complain about America. You can sit around and complain about politics. You can complain about economy. You can complain about everything that's going wrong in your life. But I'm going to tell you, that is a one-way tra one train to death. But if you begin to choose on the blessings that God has given you, you have chosen a one-way train to life. Life, life, life every time. And God can use a man and a woman who chooses life. 
Are you with me this morning? Someone's out, choose life. Number three, choose life with your words. I key, I'm, I'm closing in two minutes, hopefully. <laughs> Praise team, you better come and save me. Come on back to the platform. I got two more points here, so just hang tight. Let's see if I can do this. Ikea did an experiment a few years ago, and the experiment was to, to combat bullying at school with students. So they were trying to do a great experiment to try to show students how powerful their words are. So they put a plant, and this plant was being bullied, and they just shouted words of bullying and disrespect, criticizing how ugly the plant is. And then the other plant was being complimented, and they used words of compliments and nice words, and, hey, it's just, I love you, plant. <laughs> well, I don't know what they said to the plant. I mean, what do you say? You're green today. I don't know. You're brown. <laughs> You're dying. You're drying up. You're old. The plant was like, I love you. Let me wipe your leaves down. Here, let me fan you a little bit. You want a grape? I don't know what they did, but they complained about it. And what they found was that this 30-day experiment to stop bullying by their words on after 30 days, the plant that has, was being complimented, it stayed green and vibrant. And I believe it's the next slide, guys, that the plant was being bullied, began to wither and wilt. This experiment has been done over the course of years in many different forms, in many different organizations. Some try to discredit IKEA and put them to shame. You shouldn't be doing experiments. But we know that this is a scientific fact, that our words have so much power. And I wonder what kind of words you're creating in your own head. I wonder what kind of words you're creating in the mirror when you step into the mirror. I wonder what kind of words you're saying about you. We have somewhere around 50,000, 60,000 words a day, and most of them, 80% of them are negative. It's scientific fact. But I wonder, we're going to have to probably stretch ourselves to say, I need to choose my words with intention. I wonder what kind of words you're saying over your marriage, over your home, over your children. I wonder what kind of words that you're saying in the environment around you, about your workplace, about your church, about your society, about your, com your community, about your nation. What kind of words are we choosing to speak over us? The Bible says in Proverbs that, that there's death and life. Proverbs 18.21, life and the, there's power in the tongue, power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Don't mix your words with your mood because you can change your mood, but you can't take back your words. Be sure to taste your words, someone said. Someone said, Don't be sure to taste your words before you spit them out. Digest them before you let those words out because it's like squeezing toothpaste out of the tube. Once the toothpaste is out, it's, it's almost impossible to shove that toothpaste back in. So are our words. And our words have power. Check this out. The tongue has the power. Someone shout power. Your tongue, your words have power over you. What you say is what you're going to get. And Jesus said it in Mark chapter 11. He says, whatever you say and whatever you believe in your heart, you're going to have. And lastly this morning, choose life with expectations. 
expectations. Do you know that expectation is the breeding ground for miracles in your life? Are you expecting something great to happen tomorrow? Are you expecting something great to happen next year? Are you expecting something to happen in the turn of a new season? Or are you leaning more to that negative attitude and say, well, that more cynical attitude, I've had nothing but heartache and trouble. Why why should I expect anything? I'm going to tell you, listen to me. Expectation is this. It looks like this. It's the woman with the issue of blood that hears about Jesus being a healer. She could have been focused on all the money she spent and everything she tried to do to get healing. That could have been her expectation. But that's not where she was at. She had the expectation that said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I will be healed. She had the expectation. New Spring Church, do you have the expectation that God still has good things in store for his people? That God wants to do something great. He wants to do something mighty. That God has this expectation for us that we enter into this land of blessing and life. Someone shout, choose life. You can stand with me this morning. It was Psalm 118 and verse 24. The psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord has made. What did he say? Yesterday was horrible. This day is going to be no different. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But it hasn't even happened yet. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't care what may happen. I choose to rejoice and be glad in this day that God has created. Psalm 27, 13, here's what he said. Talking about expectation. I remain confident of this. And this was the time that David was going through all kinds of heartache, betrayal, and everything else. But this was David's attitude. This was his words. This is his belief. And this is his expectation. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can I just prompt somebody? Someone needs to go home and print this out on your computer and post it on your wall somewhere. Post Psalm 27, 13. Put it in your car, on your dashboard of your car. Put the phone down. Put the Facebook away. Put Twitter away and start opening up the word of God and quote this over your life. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can you throw up your hands to the Lord this morning? No matter how many wrong decisions that you've made in your life, I'm going to tell you this. One right decision this morning can turn everything around. I don't care how many times you've blown it. I don't care how many times you've wasted wasted a day, wasted a moment. One right decision with beliefs, with attitudes, with words, with expectation. One decision can turn everything around. And I wonder this morning, before you go home, let's take one minute. I wonder if you could just step out to the front here and spread out if you can, please. Just just keep your distance. But I wonder if someone wants an expectation to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And if that's you, you're making a statement to say, Pastor Shane, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose life. I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose life in my words. I'm going to choose life in my beliefs. I'm going to stay anchored. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to choose life with my, with my attitude. I'm going to choose life with my expectations. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Come on, take a minute right now. Come on, lift your hands. Brian, guys, go ahead and just worship the Lord for a moment. I choose life. I choose life. I choose life. You're the reason we came to encounter your life. Your life surrounds us. Overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Come on, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him speak to you. You're the reason we came to encounter your life. Your life surrounds us. So Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. We need your presence. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We choose life, Lord. We choose life. Can I can we do this for a moment? Just bow your heads for a moment. Just close your eyes. Before I pray this last prayer over you today, I want to ask you this morning. Listen, you you have delayed the decision of choosing Jesus Christ and selling out your heart and soul to Him. There's been a delay. You've not made that choice. You've walked away from Christ. You've been cynical about what's going on and you're moving away from him and Christ is not here to beat you up or to make you feel bad or condemn you. He's here to call you back home to him and calling your heart back to life and here's what you gotta do. You just need to choose Jesus again. Choose life, you choose Jesus. Choose Jesus, you choose life. And from this point forward, when you choose life and don't walk away from him, choose Jesus and don't walk away from him, here's what will happen. Yes, you'll have ups and downs. You'll have struggles. But I promise you, he said, I will be with you and I will make every trouble in your life, I'll make it count for something in your life and you'll come out better on the other side if you choose to walk it through with Jesus. Best life that you could choose is a life with Jesus Christ. And I want you to say this with all of your heart. Don't delay it. Stop the delay. Accept him right now. Just say it. Say, dear Heavenly Father. Come on, say it out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus who died on the cross for me. I believe that he took my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. So with my heart and with my mouth, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I surrender everything to him. I follow him. And I thank you for saving me. I receive what you did for me. And I am saved. And I have life in Jesus' name. Come on, give him praise this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I pray over my friends today. I pray over this congregation, Father. You love them. Lord, some of us have been through some hardships. God, you know it. You know exactly what we've, what we've been feeling, what we've been going through. And your heart 
aches when our heart aches. But God, you are not done. There's more goodness to experience in you. And I pray that we will align our attitude and our beliefs and our words and our expectation with yours so we give you our heart and our mind, our soul and spirit. We sell out to you, God. We surrender. We humble ourselves before you. And when we don't want to have a good attitude, we pray the Holy Spirit will help us, give us strength to choose the higher attitude. And when we don't want to say the right words, I pray the Holy Spirit will challenge us and that we will surrender and submit to the challenge that, to have the right words, to choose higher words, words of faith, words of hope, words of love, the disposition of the kingdom of God, faith, hope, and love. We pray this over our hearts, God, and I pray that you would just turn. You are the way maker. Turn things around, God. Make a way for people. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Can you give the Lord praise this morning? Amen. God love you. God bless you. Come on, choose life. Have a great day. Have a great week. Choose life this week. God bless you.